You're listening to I Got That One. Presented by Tom and Yvonne. Welcome to another Twilight Tuesday, where everything is wrong and we have University Challenge on days it shouldn't be. That's where you were going with that. I was just waiting. Waiting for what? Goddard? Waiting for something to happen. For you to go somewhere with that stinger of an opening. That says so much about marriage, doesn't it? I'm just waiting for you to do something. It is indeed. Um, but enough uh, of this uh, air in the dirty laundry. Let's start talking about this episode. Banger of... versus Nottingham. And what a banger it was. Oh, kind of. Cheap, cheap joke, that one. Yes, I'm sorry. I know that it's... I just feel like yeah. students from Banger have heard so many jokes about their university by this point. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure even other Welsh students uh, find something funny out of them because... <laughs> At least with other ones, um, it's pronounced differently. Yes. Uh, but this one is just how it's uh, set, how it's spelled. Well, apart from the O becomes a E sound. Yes. But uh, no, it's pretty cool that we have a university which has a lot of Welsh language uh, medium la- Yeah, Yeah, definitely, definitely the first time I've heard of Bangor University, um, but also I think seen on University Challenge in a long time, mm. and Nottingham as well. I think it's been a while. Yeah, I'm not At sure. At least not in the last few. I've not seen Nottingham in a while. Bangor, I don't think I've ever seen yeah. uh, take part. Mm. Um, although we have seen another Welsh university take part earlier with Cardiff. Yes, yes, yes. So that would be interesting if they match each other in the second round. Mm. Uh, True North versus South Wales um, yeah. clash. Yeah, but maybe they, they just be nice to each other because like any... No, they won't. <laughs> they Let me know. tell you, I've known both South Welsh and North Welsh All people. Right, they okay. are not nice. Mm. Well, I thought it would be more like a, any win for the Welsh in University Challenge. It's more of a, a friendly rivalry than, say, yeah. North of England versus South of England or okay. England versus Scotland Oof. or England versus literally everyone else. Everyone else, yes. We don't want to get into that. <laughs> yes. Damn you, English. You yeah. ruined England. All right. So at this point, we have three more first round matches and two higher scoring loser matches. So it's five more matches until the end of the, well, the first round until we start on the second round. It feels like this has gone by especially fast, this uh, yeah. this first round. Yeah. I think because we've seen so many good teams mm. that it's been exciting. Uh, one or two, not the most exciting, but I think still it's being like propelled forward by, by the good matches. Yeah, I would say the banger to clanker ratio has been pretty good this season. Sorry? Oh my god, yeah. Uh, so... I'll explain off air what, that, what I meant by All that. All right. Our English audience uh, would have understood. Sure, yes. But uh, yes, let's have a look at the teams. We've mentioned their names. Let's so, look more closely. Yeah, so in Bangor, um, I quite liked the, the, the range of disciplines. We had history and archaeology, molecular medicine, medical sciences, and medieval and early modern history. Hmm. So I suppose a bit weighted towards... Um, history and medicine sure. this time, so less of a spread. Um, but still, I think a really good team. And then on the Nottingham side, we had medicine, uh, PhD in contemporary British history, PhD in mathematical neuroscience, which sounds fascinating and really difficult, and then French and Spanish. So maybe a bit more of a spread there. It's interesting to have quite a lot of historical representation on uh, this particular match. Yeah, I can see why, because, you know, in history... I suppose it's a knowledge of world events, places, time, people, and that fits in with uh, an interest in university challenge, I suppose. Okay, I'll accept that um, that reasoning. Yeah. I mean, I just think it's cool that, uh, you know, 
my discipline is being uh, represented so often mm-hmm. because I am a firm believer in we should be spreading the uh, good word that is humanities, especially history to more people. I absolutely agree. There's so much we can learn from history, but nobody ever learns. Speaking of learning, let's uh, take a look at uh, how learned these teams were in uh, their overall uh, attempts. So it was a, a low scoring match, I would say, 135 to 125. Yeah, it was pretty close, at least. But it was definitely more of a slow burn than a nail-biter like we had in the first episode. Yeah, and um, I have to say that I really liked seeing Lloyd Williams captaining. Mm -hmm. I thought she was a really good captain. She was really sharp, very decisive at the same time. I think she showed very good leadership. Mm -hmm. So it was just fun watching her. No, for sure. I really think she was a good linchpin when it came to uh, the discussions, even when they weren't very successful in those discussions Mm -hmm. but to be honest I think both teams really kind of struggled when it came to the bonus rounds Yeah. so it was definitely more of a buzzer game this time than uh, other games we've seen so far I would say Yeah. but that doesn't mean that uh, you know uh, individuals didn't shine Mm -hmm. far from it I think that there were definitely moments where you could really see people you know come to light more clearly Mm -hmm. but on both teams to be honest but um, as can be seen I think that's um, yeah it was slow and, mm. and also I feel like I got many more questions than I usually do. So either the questions were a little bit easy or, and I was surprised that the teams didn't get some of these kind of, you know, uh, there, there were some rounds like the Great Gatsby bonuses yeah. or, um, you know, the Cardinal Directions in Southeast. I mean, we'll get to these questions later, but I thought these were, you know, questions that, that are kind of easy wins. I don't know, me sitting here just because I was able to answer them doesn't necessarily make them easy questions, I guess, but... Um, yeah, it was a little bit frustrating, I guess, to yeah. see some of these kind of easy points that were dropped. Yeah, I understand what you mean. Um, we've definitely had that a couple of times where we know the answer and to, to watch uh, some students uh, struggle yeah. can be a little bit like, no, it's right there. How can you not yeah. know? But I would say in fairness, at least to the Great Gatsby um, questions, is that I didn't study Great Gatsby until I was doing my A-level in history. I suppose Sorry, so. in uh, history. <laughs> English literature. Um, yeah, even while I was doing my A-level in history, I was doing my A-level in English literature. Yeah, well. Uh, so yeah. if you didn't choose to do that at A-level, uh, there's a good chance you might not have been exposed to that book other than out of reading it or maybe the by film, watching them. I mean, there have yeah. been a few, couple films, right? Yeah, although the one from the 70s is very dull. <laughs> and the uh, second one is very glitzy, but... Um, I feel like it got more kind of the essence of the book rather than, you know, actually what happened. Mm. And especially when there was a very key quote about the Buchanans, that wasn't, as far as I can remember, not in any of the... Okay. Um, because, you know, that's more of a case of, I think, Nick's eternal monologue than anything else. Yeah, so I don't know how the rest of the audience felt about this one. Um, but yeah, I, I you know, I, I still feel like there were more drop points than I think, you know, needed to be. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but anyway, we had, uh, well, obviously Bangnes made it through, but Nottingham with the final score of 125, they're now quite firmly in the highest scoring losers. I think they're pretty safe. We need to have, I think, two more very powerful yeah. uh, showings mm. from uh, the next three matches for them to lose their spot. Mm. It does mean that, unfortunately, Gunvald and Keys have finally uh, slipped below yeah. the minimum requirements. Yeah. That's a shame. Um, but, um, yeah, the, them's a break sometimes. Yes, yeah, so we have Nottingham 125, Oriel, Oxford 130. So as long as, you know, unless another team makes it past that, um, we, we might see these two back again. 
Yeah, for sure. It'd be nice to see Oriol back again. I feel yeah. like they definitely had some untapped potential going on there, mm-hmm, for mm-hmm. sure. Uh, speaking of untapped potential, um, let's talk all about these questions. Yes. I think I agree with you that there were definitely more questions which I got than I expected. Yeah. In a standard um, mm-hmm. round of university challenge. Mm-hmm. Especially ones where I had to dig deep down into the recesses of my memory and just pull something out. Mm. Like... I thought about the Chilcot inquiry for the first time in ooh, 11, 12 years. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was a famous, famous ongoing investigation in the Iraq war. Right, right, I mean, right. That dominated English news for God knows how long. And mm-hmm. then I just got completely... International uh, news, even. Yeah, and uh, maybe now uh, there's slightly more important stuff going on in the UK mm-hmm. than whether or not Tony Blair is a war criminal. Yeah. Uh, spoiler alert, he is. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, it's just... It's always fascinating when these questions come up and then just something wakens deep within the recesses of your memory palace. Nah, yeah. it's more like a memory skip for me. Yeah. Like you have to really dig down to find <laughs> something. I mean, it's there, you know, it's in there, but you just can't get past all the goddamn small facts about it. Yeah, uh, and I think, you know, many of these kind of events were kind of mainstream events, I suppose, rather than very niche or, or, or events particular to a very small town or village. But this was kind of, it made international headlines, so... Yeah, did you hear about the Chilcot inquiry while you before uh, that was brought up? Well, I think so. I mean, I did study political science, uh-huh. so kind of the investigations that they made into kind of Colin Powell, Dick Cheney, mm. Blair. I mean, this was, I suppose, part of what people were really talking about in the two thousands. So yeah, I mean, I remember that was the main source of uh, TV comedy for the longest time in the mm-hmm. UK. Yeah. Well, I have to say, another question that I really liked yes. was the one about contronyms. Yes. I really enjoy contronyms. Contronyms are always so much fun. Yeah, because it's words that basically have opposite meanings, right? Mm -hmm. So like dust, um, left. um, Other ones I can think of would be like bolt, for example. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's just, it's amazing how we can have so many types of questions about just how weird the English language is. I'm pretty sure that you couldn't do something equivalent in French. No. Maybe not. I don't know. That would be an interesting question for any kind of French or, you know, listeners who speak other languages. Is that yes. possible? That Do, are there a lot of examples of uh, contronyms? Because as far mm. as I'm aware, my limited understanding of Dutch, they're not that many contronyms. No. But I think it's just because uh, English is this weird chimera of uh, English and German. Yeah. Where... Uh, spelling uh, became more difficult and easy again based on the whims. Mm. Like half of the weirdest spellings that we have is just because some guy decided that it should be more difficult to spell English words. Yeah. And he was in a position of power to say, we're going to make it difficult to spell. Yeah. And so if anyone's out there listening who who studies this, kind of the, the do I say the etymology of the English language? Yeah. If, if you can explain why there's so many contronyms in English, we'd love to hear more from you. But I think it also kind of shows how difficult it might be for a non-English speaker to learn the language mm-hmm. because not only do you have words that are kind of spelt the same but pronounced completely differently mm-hmm. like through though um, you know thorough stuff like that but also all these different contronyms right yeah or like slaughter and laughter where mm. the only difference is an S but it could be yeah. yeah I have a colleague who uh, for the longest time would pronounce idea like ID mm-hmm. because he just assumed that the EA sound became an E sound yeah, because yeah. of speak yeah it sounds like they were German or maybe Swedish or... Uh, French speaking okay 
Um, but I mean, my other colleagues made fun of him for this uh, yeah. revelation. But uh, you know, I can understand where it was coming from. Yeah, I wouldn't make f- fun of people that mispronounce words because that means they've just read more in the language and they've hadn't had a chance to speak it or listen to it. I mean, this was Italians making fun of him, so I don't know. It, it <laughs> okay, might, it, that makes it better then. <laughs> well, I mean, it's, I'm just saying it's not you know native english speakers making fun of a non-native english speaker because that's definitely not cool yeah um yeah then i also quite liked the music round on film themes played by harmonicas yes and it was specifically the movie that it was in yeah so very kind of western type of films yeah i mean that's the main one you think of when you hear the harmonica yeah or uh, the first song in the Super Tramp uh, album. Yeah. That just came to me all of a sudden. Sure. And yeah, the harmonica, it's this interesting instrument, right? Because you don't really think about it all that much. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. it's just this little bar that you stick in your mouth. Yeah. <laughs> but I think it really adds something to a piece because yeah. it can be very mournful and haunting. But also kind of comical and amusing and light. I mean, it depends on the setting, you know. Frivolous. When yeah. it's a cowboy sitting next to a roaring fire, next to his horse, he's playing it, thinking about the love he left behind or the trouble he's evading, then it's very mm. mournful. If it's a guy on a YouTube video holding in his mouth while his friends kick him in the shins, then yes, it's a very humorous I, that instrument. That seems like a very specific reference that we might just move past. You have seen that video before, oh where God. someone is trying to scream in pain, but it goes through a harmonica, so it just sounds weird. Okay, it sounds... Um, okay, let's move peak on. Peak internet videos from the mid-2000s. Peak, peak YouTube. Um, <laughs> moving on, any other questions, or shall we move into some stats? Um, I wanted to say that I thought it was quite amusing that the English genre nerd was able to sneak one in on us <laughs> they took did. the second picture round nice. as they get this naughty little like ha 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 yes. here i am <laughs> you have to think about these yeah. <laughs> they're having fun this english geography nerd. yeah for or sure uk geography nerd. i mean the setting was a very interesting idea it was places that were in the settings in i think jane austen yes uh, i think so yes so that usually means that most of them were somewhere in the west of the country because mm-hmm. I believe that's where she spent most of her time. Mm, makes sense. Yeah, I think Bronte was even more west, but yeah, I've not read a single one of these uh, women's works. Uh, well, much, maybe you should. I always like it. I always like it when different disciplines come together, like literature and geography. It makes it much more enriching. Yeah, it's like a Captain Planet of interesting <laughs> trivia. The nerd, nerd Captain. <laughs> captain That's nerd. just Captain Planet. Yeah, he, well, yeah. What, do you, do you think the popular kids were watching Captain Planet and talking about it in hey, school? I, yes, I'm pretty sure they were. <laughs> I mean, speaking from experience, you know. <laughs> That's the, the funniest thing you've to, ever said. You didn't need to laugh so hard at that. So moving on to some stats. This is definitely no laughing matter Mm-mm. as uh, we start uh, drilling down on these. So yeah, final score of 135 to Banger and 125 to Nottingham. Uh, Banger had a starter success rate of 64.3%. Respectable. Yeah, actually not bad at all. Their bonuses, unfortunately, was not as great. Only 33%. So only 9 out of 27 bonuses, correct? Ooh, yeah, that's... I think it was especially, as we mentioned, a lot of things to do with literature was definitely mm-hmm. ones where they really struggled. Mm. And also there was one about uh, movies with Sidney Poitier, mm-hmm. which, I mean, in fairness, I am not very familiar with his work either. But yeah. I think it's a clear sign that maybe there was more focus on uh, more scientific or grammar-based uh, questions in their preparation. And mm-hmm. so maybe this is something they have to explore uh, before they reach the second 
get to the second round match. Yeah. And then on the Nottingham side, um, starter success rate of 50%. Um, and then a bonus success rate only slightly higher than Banger, about 37%. Yeah, that was definitely the feeling you got from watching these teams. Um, and I think this is where it really shows when you don't have um, a strong kind of, uh, you know, support structure back at the university to help prepare you. Mm. So, for example, you know, the likes of Manchester, Imperial, other teams which have won fairly frequently. Got would this have alumni, this, yeah. yeah, this big backlog and this special preparation that mm. helps them more often than not get through to uh, the televised uh, rounds. Mm. Although we've not had any Imperial or Manchester this uh, season, mm-hmm. which is... Um, not yet. I don't think they're showing at all. There's been a lot more of these uh, teams that have not really had a chance to shine this time around. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. Um Something interesting must have happened when it came to uh, the initial qualifying uh, stages mm. of uh, this season. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's why it took so long to get televised. Maybe. Yeah, maybe there was just all this kind of weird considerations and maybe there were rematches or something. Could be. I don't know what goes on behind yeah. the scenes. Yes, uh, we don't know and it's very unlikely we will never know. <laughs> but yes, them are the stats. I have to say, I am not... I'm, I would like, of course, teams to do well, but I'm... Struggling to see how Banger is going to make it past the second round. Um, yeah, because we've seen some truly powerhouse players. Yeah, because yes, you can say stuff about, you know, initial jitters while being on television yeah. and it's always kind of difficult the first round, but mm. there's so many teams which have really, you know, put out be, performances. Yeah, and I can imagine it can be very intimidating if you're from a university that doesn't get on university challenge that often. Mm. And then, you know, you see the likes of all these Oxford and Cambridge colleges, Imperial, LSE, you know, all these people and you feel a bit like the underdog. So I think, you know, huge props to any of the teams that make it anyway. Yeah. Um, are still really, really good job. But yeah, I think to, to in order to make it past the second round, they need to maybe uh, look at some gaps in the knowledge and, and work on that a little bit. Yeah, no, for sure. Don't get me wrong. I'm I'm not trying to take away from the success. It's mm. very, very well done that they made it through the great, first round. Great captainship also, yeah. like I said. There are so few teams statistically that make it th- as far as they have. Mm. But, um, yeah, I think unless uh, they really put their nose to the grindstone, um, it's going to be a very, very tough second round for them. Yeah. And uh, same with Nottingham. Um, the other best-scoring losers, um, they've also really put a performance. You know, yeah. if they match Bristol, ooh, I'm not seeing how that's going to translate well for them. Yeah. So, I don't know. We might see a comeback story with Nottingham. Uh, we'll just have to see. Yeah. I mean, as we have to remind everyone so often... We don't know anything. We're just two little dum-dums watching a very clever show. Well, one thing we do know uh-huh. is the best dressed. Indeed. So yes. um, We ran a poll as usual. As usual. Uh, there was a bit less of a strong opinion this time round. Mm-hmm. But currently, with eight hours left at the time of recording, uh, Moran is in the lead mm-hmm. with 44%. Amazing. So, I guess uh, let's do ours. Okay. One, One two, two, three. Silcox. Bastiani. Oh, my goodness. It's all over the place, this best dress. So, I went with Silcox just because I thought it was a really sartorial get-up with these vertical stripes, mm. kind of red, blue, uh, white vertical stripes, and then paired with a shirt that was completely different color, completely <laughs> different pattern going on. I always enjoy a clash of the patterns. So, my vote goes to Silcox. That's fair enough. Uh, my vote goes for Bastiani because I am a sucker for a shiny um, uh, button-down. <laughs> yeah, it was shiny. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. It's just I feel like it takes quite a lot of courage to put that on but then even more kind of you know just 
knowledge of what looks good on you to pull it off. And mm-hmm. I think that Bastiani did a really good job. Yeah. Uh, but of course, yeah, Noble looked fantastic in the... The uh, the, the kind of turtleneck. Yes, and Moran, you know. And, the, and I have to say the facial hair game... Uh, Oh, oh yeah, no, Noble definitely pulling it off yeah, for sure. For sure. And then my my second vote would have gone to Moran. Yeah. Same as the popular vote, just because I thought she looked really elegant, um, really kind of nice pairing of colours, like silver, green, you know. Yeah, I mean, I would say that, you know, the more mature women that take part in which Challenge always look absolutely elegant and mm, wonderful when they take always, part. Always, always, yeah. So I think that just comes from, you know, uh, dressing yourself long enough to know what works what doesn't work mm-hmm. and it really really uh, shows yeah uh, but I think just in general uh, we definitely think that the more femme presenting uh, people who take part in put in a little bit more effort than there. yeah I think it's always presenting. just because like for women you know dressing better and looking better it's something that's ex- more expected of women unfortunately than it is of men so I suppose that's just you know a result of that you make a fair point yeah um, I I have no counter argument. Mm. So in that case, I'm going to say thank you very much for joining us as always. <laughs> thank you. And as always, if you have this burning desire to get involved in conversations around this show, specifically this podcast and this show, you can reach us on our socials. At I Got That One on Twitter or even drop us an email at igtopodcast at gmail.com. Indeed. Thank you once again for listening. And until next week, it's goodbye from me. And goodbye from me.